All right, are we ready? Yes, awesome. Welcome. My name's Tim. So glad to have you this morning. We are going to continue the book of Luke, chapters 10 and 11, uh, in just a couple of minutes. Um, I need Pastor Jim to come up here. He's going to help me with something real quick. Uh, hey, I have a question. How many of you have ever been to a 3D movie? Show of hands if you've been to a 3D. Now, has anybody been to a 4D movie? Do you know what a 4D movie is? That's where they like they like do more than just the thing with your eyes and like they have your full experience. Have a seat here, Jim. Say hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. See, um, I don't know if you've ever tried to be, be in a 3D movie. I'm one of those guys that, like, I like seeing how things work. So I've been in a 3D movie, and when I sit in a 3D movie, a lot of times I would take the glasses off because I want to see what it looks like. Have you ever watched a 3D movie without the glasses? It's pretty blurry, right? Like, it's like everything's a little, like, off focus, and everything's like, it's like, I can kind of see what's going on, but it really bothers your eyeballs. So you need glasses to enjoy a 3D movie. So here's your 3D glasses. You can turn and, and, and look at me, like face, face right on with me. Okay, go ahead and put those on. Ooh, now it's like I'm in 3D, isn't it? It's like I'm even here in front of you. Really close. It's a joke. All right. Um, <laughs> and so like, so once you put the 3D glasses on, all of a sudden it is. It's like everything kind of sticks out from the screen. It's almost like you want to reach out and be like, ooh, that's cool or that's neat or whatever. Wow, <laughs> wow. It's even interactive. Like even the people on screen can like, whoa, hey, don't reach that close uh, to me. I, I want to tell you a story real quick. Um, our, our family, I don't know how many years ago, it, it was a number of years ago, our family went down to the Creation Museum, which is a really cool museum down uh, outside of Cincinnati. And in there, they have one of these 4D movie experiences. And in a 4D movie, it is, it's 3D glasses, so you go and put your glasses on, and it's this giant screen, and you see everything. It's like, woo, coming out. And it's like the creation story on this giant screen. And so partway through it, it'd be like, God created the heavens. And all of a sudden, like, the, the wind would come. You feel the wind? <laughs> right? And you'd be like, ooh, I felt the wind, and whatever. And, and then all of a sudden, like, the waves would show up, and, uh, and, and it'd be like a splash and you just feel this like really light mist right and you'd be like whoa the water just hit me and it's like this really full crazy experience and uh and so the thing is we were with our whole family and um um my my father-in-law his name was jerry he's he's passed away since he's with jesus now but but he was with us on this trip and on this trip he he got to see on the very end um because that's where he's most comfortable he's got really long legs so he sat on the end seat i sat next to him and the rest of us kind of lined up in the seats and so i'm there i've got the glasses on i'm fully experiencing it and it's like wow neat and he doesn't have the glasses on yet. I'm like, you have to put the glasses on. It's going to be really blurry, right? You're not going to be able to see things. And so he finally puts the glasses on. And the very first thing that happens when the water shows up is he gets, no, he gets. <laughs> it's like splash. I get a little miss, and he gets like psh, squirt gun right in the face. I know how that feels. You know how that feels? Yeah. <laughs> and so like, so like now what would you do at that moment, right? I'm going to get my squirt bottle. Well, the glasses are going to come off, right? So t you take off your glasses. So he took his glasses off, and now he's, like, wiping his face, and the thing's still going, but now he's looking up at the screen. His face is wet. So his finger then is trying to find, where is this going to come from again? Because the water thing's coming again, but then it happens again. <laughs> and he's like, come on! Now he's, like, he's getting grumpy at this point because it's like, this is not the experience I signed up for I agree. to come to the 4D experience. So I didn't want to squirt all them, I but um, <laughs> I've been looking for this opportunity for a while. Um, <laughs> see, now here's the thing. So if you put your glasses back on, 
See, the way you want to experience it is where it's just like the, you know, just the light mist, right? And you're supposed to still be able to see through the glasses. And that's the great experience because you're like, whoa, I got wet and the wind was blowing. And, and I saw it and it's like, it came and the waves kind of went over me. And it was like really powerful experience when you're seeing it with all the right things and through the right lenses and having the right lenses and the right experience. But some of us, <laughs> you're just waiting. Uh, <laughs> but some of us, we don't go through life that way, Right? Some of us in your life, you're sitting more like Jerry was without the glasses on, and you don't even know where the glasses are because nobody's told you that you needed to see clearly what's going on in your life. So things in life look kind of blurry. And like things aren't quite making sense, and it's a little off focus, and I don't know what's going on. And, and you think you're supposed to experience the, just the little mist in life, but you're getting, you're getting the squirt gun to your face with no glasses in the blur, and that's the way some of you feel like life is, right? That when, when you live life and things don't make sense, you need help. You need to experience the way God wants you to experience. Give Jim a hand. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Because if you, if you are living life and you're looking through life through the wrong lens, you're going to have the wrong experience, Right? And, and for us as Christians, as Christ followers, as, as we're trying to learn about Jesus, and some of you are here and you don't know Jesus yet, you haven't fully experienced him yet, you're, you're starting to get to know him, you're kind of like, I kind of like this God, that, that, this Pastor Tim and the pastor should keep talking about, but I'm not quite there yet, and you're just trying to get to know him. I need you, for you to get to know Jesus, you need to look through the right lens, okay? So if you've got the fill in the blanks, I would encourage you to pull out those fill in the blanks, um, because the very first one is this, is that the Bible is the lens to see and focus on the real Jesus. You're not going to get to know the real Jesus without reading about the real Jesus. That's why we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see the stories, we see the life of our Savior showing up as a person, walking as we walk, experiencing the things we experience, the human life. And when we look at the Bible, we get to see this real Jesus. And that's why we're doing this series in the book of Luke. Because we want you to not just experience an idea of Jesus or like, yeah, religion's a good idea or going to church might be a good idea because it makes me a good person. Like none of that matters, just to be honest with you. All that matters is what do you know and how do you respond to this person by the name of Jesus Christ? That's all that matters. And we want you to have the right lens, the right glasses to see fully, which is the Bible. You know, we want you to experience the, the, the full presence of God, not get squirted in the face by life. Like, we want you to experience what God has for you. And that's why we do what we do here at New Hope. If you're sitting in the wrong seat with no lenses, you'll just end up wet, blinded, confused, and wondering who this God is and what is this life about. We want to move from confusion to answers, right? We want to know the real Jesus. So if you're here to know the real Jesus, you're in a good place. Welcome. Glad you're with us. This is week five. We're halfway through this series in the book of Luke that we are um, digging into as we learn about Jesus. See, God isn't hiding himself. He never has hid himself. In the Old Testament, we see him revealed as the great heavenly father, right? That's how he was revealed all through the Old Testament. And he was trying to continue with the, with the Jews, with Israel, with people to reveal himself and explain to them how they can have a relationship with him. But they turned it into a rule, a law, a religion, right? And now Jesus, when you get to the gospels, now God is revealed in the flesh as Jesus Christ, God says, when you see me, you see the Father. The Father and I, we're, we're one. When you see me, you see him. We're all in this. And so when we see Jesus, we see God in the flesh, and that's how he revealed himself then, 
in the flesh. And then you move in through the book of Acts when Jesus enters back into heaven waiting for his return, where we get to see him again in, in person. He said, now I'm going to give you something even better, which is how could you imagine being better than actually walking in the physical presence with Jesus? But that's what he said. He said, when I go, something better's coming. And it did. He's called the Holy Spirit. God's presence now is with us and shows up in the power of God's presence in the Holy Spirit, who is a person. It's not a oogly boogly. It's not like a, this ghostly thing or this kind of, it's not the force from Star Wars. Like when you talk about the Holy Spirit, it is the person of the Trinity. He is God and God's presence in you. And so we live in this time of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spread out. Jesus was only in one place at one time. The Holy Spirit is with, with the church all across this planet this morning. Isn't that awesome? And so when we're learning about this Jesus in this point of history, we're learning and experiencing the real Jesus, the real Jesus. See, uh, I already, that's what I just did, okay? Old Testament, his heavenly father, gospels of Jesus Christ, New Testament, now we're in it. He, it's the Holy Spirit, okay? So you can, f- no, those aren't filling the blanks. I just put it in there, all right? The reality for us, though, is that we see when Jesus showed up on the scene as the person as a man, fully man, fully God, when he showed up, he then accomplished every single prophecy in the Old Testament that the Heavenly Father was revealing to, to, uh, to those who believed. He was revealing to them that somebody was going to come to save everyone. Not just the Jews, not just a people group, not just a part of the world. Like, he came and he was preparing a Messiah to come that everyone could experience salvation. And that's Jesus. See, for us, we need to understand that Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies, that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. That's who he is. And if he's the Savior of the world, just you know, he's the Savior of you because you're in the world. That you can experience salvation, forgiveness of sins, a real relationship with a real God who gave us the absolute gift in his Son so that we can have a relationship with him. That's Jesus, okay? Now that I set up of who we're talking about, the importance of us looking through the right lens through Scripture, we want to dig into this morning's message, which gets really challenging, because I'm going to talk mostly to those of you who are Christians in the room this morning, okay? So if you're not a Christ follower yet, you're here, and you're kind of like, I'm just investigating this, or maybe you like kind of had a relationship with God at one point in your life, and you're starting to come back, um, this this might be a little bit more challenging for you, which is okay. It's okay to be challenged and make yourself think and like wrestle with stuff. But those of you who are Christ followers in this room, we're going to see what Jesus did with his followers and what he called them to, because he called them to something pretty big and, pr- and very important. And if the church misses this calling, it misses the point of why it exists, okay? And that's what we're digging into this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, we always say bring your Bibles here at New Hope, right? We believe it's God's word that changes us. The Holy Spirit reveals it to us, shows God to us, and shows us to us, okay? So get in your Bibles. We're going to actually start in Luke chapter 9, which last week Sam brought the message in chapters 8 and 9. Um, and uh, good job, Sam. He's here. Woo! Good job, Sammy. Um, and so he brought the word last week. And, uh, but I'm going to go back to chapter 9 to get us into chapter 10. And I'm only focusing on one part of chapter 10. If you want to get more into 10 and 11, that was your homework last week in the reading plan. Read ahead. See what God teaches you through that. This morning, I felt like God really wanted us to focus on one part in this series, or or in this sermon this morning, in Luke chapter 9, the beginning of it, and then Luke chapter 10, okay? So Jesus is walking. He's teaching. We see see earlier on in chapter 6 that I preached on how, how Jesus called these 12 apostles to be kind of the closest ones 
uh, to walk with him, to learn from him, and, uh, and then to do the ministry beside him. We learn that these guys that he picked were not like the elite of the elitist. Like they were like the, the redneck hillbillies. Like they were the working man. They, were the, they weren't the sharpest tools in the shed, but they, that's who God wanted. That's who Jesus picked, right? The fishermen. He picked, you know, tax collectors, which is like, you got to be kidding me. Like he, he picked all these people. And, um, and now he's, he's going to empower them to do ministry after he picked them. So in chapter 9, that's where we're jumping into these 12 apostles. All right, is everybody with me? If you are, say, yep. yep. Okay, verse 1, here we go. When Jesus had called the 12 together, the 12 apostles, he gave them, everybody say, he gave. He gave, he gave them what? Power and authority. Whoa. Okay, first off, this proves that Jesus had all power and authority, right? He, was, he is the Messiah. He is God. He, he has all the power and authority. He's now ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit in this moment, right? He was all, already um, experienced the whole uh, initiation and, and the affirmation of who he was and what he was called to do. He's already done all that. Now he's walking in the Holy Spirit, and he says, now I'm going to give you power and authority, apostles, to do what? To drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he did what? And he did what? Say with me. He, he sent. He gave, then he sent. He gave, then he sent. This is the pattern of the New Testament church. We see it happen in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit shows up. He gave them the Holy Spirit, then he sent them out to launch the church. He still does it today. He gives you the Holy Spirit, and he sends you out. And we want to learn how to do that. What does that mean if you're a Christ follower? This is for the apostles, and you're like, well, that's just for those 12, right? That's just for the 12 apostles. Now we're jumping in to the chapter we're in today, which is chapter 10, okay? So let's move ahead to chapter 10, okay? Oh, I have a point before we get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited, y'all, all right? So he sends them out, right? He sends them out to proclaim uh, the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. See, we're going to learn. Uh, we're going to learn something. As Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower, I, I'm going to be having you make some I am statements this morning. Okay, as you fill in the blanks. As a Christ follower, I am called to be a minister. If you are a Christ follower, you are called to be a minister. This pushes against the traditional mindset of churches, um, congregations, and pastors. I grew up in the church, you know, since I was born. My dad was a pastor. I've seen everything under the sun inside the church. I've experienced everything good and bad I think you can experience inside the church. I've seen it all. And for a long time, the model was the church is the congregation, and it acts like a government, right? It's the democracy that votes, and they vote on some elders, and then the elders hire a pastor. The pastor's there, and what's the pastor's job? Do the ministry. We're here, and you're supposed to minister to us because we're the flock, thing is, that's not a biblical model at all. We do not see that through the whole New Testament. We see the opposite. We see Jesus giving the Holy Spirit, empowering everyone to then use their spiritual gifts that God gives you, the Holy Spirit puts inside you, then to minister to one another. Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, right? That God gave the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers to equip the saints, that's all of us, to do the works of ministry. So we're all doing the work of ministry. We are all ministers, it's not just the pastor's job. I've seen too many pastors think it's their job, and they do all the work. And do you know what ends up happening to that pastor? They burn out. 
And it may, they may burn out. They may hide out because they're burnt out. They just, you may not see them anymore because they're like, I can't do it anymore, right? They either burn out, they sin out, meaning they try to cope with all the stress and this little thing over here is an escape. And they just, boom, they sin out. I see it over and over and over again, right? Or they fall out. They just, I'm done. And they go sell used cars the rest of their life, right? Because that's not the way God designed the church. From the very beginning, Jesus was setting up, this is what I want to have happen. This is the body of Christ. And all of us together are ministers to use our gifts to equip and build up each other. And so we are all, as Christ followers, called to be your minister. You're called to be a minister. It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter if you work backstage, behind the scenes. Nobody ever sees you if you're up on stage or if your kids weren't, wherever you are. You use what God has given you, the gifts that he's put inside of you as Christ followers. You are called, I am called to be a minister. When we accept Christ into our life, we become citizens and representatives of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that awesome? Like, we just don't join a club and get the benefits from that club. That's not how it works. That's called a country club. If that's what you're looking for in church, you're looking for the wrong thing. We become citizens belonging to the kingdom of heaven and then representatives of heaven to this broken world. That is what we're called to, to minister, to be like Jesus. And I tell you what Jesus was. Jesus was relentlessly loving lost people. And so this morning, my hope is that we have the heart of Jesus, that we learn what we're supposed to do and what we're called to do as the church. Am I passionate about it? Uh-huh. All right. So let's, let's get into then Luke chapter 10, because you're thinking, well, that was just the apostles, though, Tim. They had a special calling. We get into chapter 10, and we see that calling gets more distributed, right? It, it goes farther out. So after this, after everything in chapter uh, 9, after this, the Lord appointed how many? 72. Now, some of you may see a little, like, if you see a little number or letter next to a word in your Bible and you look down, that's a subnote underneath. You can kind of see, well, other manuscripts say 70. Some say 72. It is what it is. Some people think it's 70 because you look at what Jesus was doing. He was resetting the whole religious system. The Old Testament was 12 tribes of Israel, and I was like, nope, that is finished. The Old Covenant's done. I'm going, 12 apostles are replacing that. And they're not the religious leaders. These are fishermen and tax collectors, and we're starting something brand new. And before the 70 represented the Sanhedrin, it was, it was the, law, the law, the lawyers that, that ran and managed then the operations of the religion. It's like now we're replacing the Sanhedrin, we're replacing that whole system, and now we're sending out 70 or 72 out to minister. And these were regular people, okay? These were disciples of Jesus, Remember I talked about that, like there were 12 apostles, but there were many disciples. There's hundreds and hundreds of disciples. Disciple just means a student of. They were following Jesus, trying to live like him and understand what he was teaching. And so he appointed these 72 others. And what did he do? Say it with me. And he sent them, how many? Two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. This is interesting. Remember John the Baptist's role? His job was to go out and prepare the way. That's what John the Baptist did. Now he sent his 12 apostles. Now you guys go out and you prepare the way. And now he's sending the rest of the regular folks, 70 of you. Now you go out two by two and you prepare the way. Do you think the preparing the way thing has ended? No, people still need Jesus. Amen? Amen. People still need hope because they're lost. This is, a, this is a broken generation we live in. Generation after generation hasn't changed. 
We all still struggle with the same sin issues, the same struggles, the same. He's like, no, I want you to go and prepare the way because I'm doing something out there. So he says, I'm going to send you out two by two, and, and, and I want you to go ahead of you. And they give some instructions. He, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is a great prayer, right? There's lots of people who don't know Jesus. There's lots of people who are hopeless right now. He says, the harvest is plentiful. It was true then, it's true today. Amen? Amen. Like, we all see that. We experience it. And so we say, I'm going to pray that prayer. God, send out workers. Send out workers. The very next word of the very next sentence, though. Say it out loud with me. Go! Right? He's like, pray and then go. (laughs) He's like, you can pray and then you're the one. You're it. Because you're the workers being sent out. You can pray about it. Some of us pray way too much about something we didn't obey in the first time we heard it. Delayed obedience is always disobedience. When Jesus tells us to pray about something, pray about it. When he says to go, go, right? And we don't want delayed obedience. We want, we want fast obedience because that's where the blessing comes. When God says go and we go and we get to experience, you, you're going to see what they got to experience um, in this. So he tells them, pray, God, send out the workers, man. There's lots of people that need this hope, the kingdom of heaven. So he says, go, now I am sending. Say it with me, I am sending. Again, sending you out like lambs among wolves. Well, that's encouraging. (laughs) He's like, I'm sending you out to be killed. Have fun, you know, like what? You need to understand what he's talking about here. He is flipping the spiritual and religious leader script. Because he calls, listen to this, he calls the Pharisees wolves. He said, I want you to be like the religious leaders you see today. Because they're the ones that are out and they're exploiting the lost. They're exploiting the widows. They're exploiting those who are hurting. That's what wolves do. They go and they attack. He said, you go differently. You do not look like what this religion looks like. You look like heaven, which means you're going as a lamb. Now, if you think about a lamb, you don't think about a lamb with like giant teeth ready to attack, right? What's a lamb do? A lamb just goes. It's humble, right? Um, lambs are whimsical, right? Like when you see a sheep, you just can't help but smile. Especially when they go, Meh, and you're like, that's hilarious, right? And then you see your baby going, Meh, and then it's just like, that's a lamb. They're adorable. They're not there as a threat, right? They're loving. So what he's saying is like, you're going to look different than the religion that they think the kingdom of heaven represents, but that's not what heaven looks like. You're going like a lamb. You're going out peacefully. The wolves are going to be out there, but don't worry about the wolves. I'm telling you just to be a lamb. I'm calling you to go out humbly, gently, lovingly. And then he says, do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. It's like, don't, you don't like pile up. Don't get like tons of suitcases. Don't, don't do any of that stuff. He's like, just take what you need, travel light. Don't greet anyone on the road. He's like, well, isn't that the point? They're going to prepare the way for Jesus. Why does he say don't talk to the people on the road? Because the people on the road are going to be a distraction to their mission. Sometimes we try to invest in people that become a distraction to what we're actually trying to accomplish and preparing the way for the gospel. I think there's a type of person you should be looking for as, as a lamb of God, as, as, as one being sent out. I think there's a type of person, we're going to see that in a minute, um, the type of person. He says, don't be distracted by the things that are going to pull you away from what I'm calling you to do. 
stay focused, travel light, right? That's my next point. Fill, fill in the blank here. See, when I travel with Jesus, I get to travel light and not alone. He sent them out what? Two by two. All right? So we're going back to Noah's Ark. Two by two, you know, side by side. When you travel with Jesus, you don't have to travel alone. Um, I sent a message out yesterday because my, my heart's been heavy for people. Um, and those of you that watched that yesterday, I got a text message. You know, thank you for watching. I pray it was an encouragement to you. But I sent it out because my heart is for those people who are just kind of, um, just kind of wandering away. The life, stressors of life, just busyness, uh, work, whatever it might be. They're just kind of wandering away from church or gathering or getting together. They're, they're wandering away from small groups. Or, and it's like, you weren't meant to live that way. When you go and you're alone, that's where the enemy comes and attacks. I've talked about that a lot here at New Hope. That he's looking for those who are alone, who are separate, who are, who are like not with the rest of the flock, right? Those are the ones that get attacked. And See, when you travel with Jesus, he doesn't want you to travel alone. He wants you to be with others. He wants you to be beside those who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, who are using their giftedness, who are, who are living on mission in their life. He wants you to not be alone. He wants you to be with others on this journey. The cool thing is when you travel with Jesus, you, you still always have Jesus, which is awesome. Like, he doesn't, leave you. he doesn't leave you alone. That's why he says, I never will leave you or forsake you. I'll be, be with you to the end of the age. That's a promise of our Savior, of Jesus himself. So we can walk into that promise. So when, we tra- when I travel with Jesus, I get to travel light and I get to, to not do it alone. I get to be with other people on this journey together. It's a lot easier to get attacked on the side of the road when you're by yourself. But when you're two by two and you've got somebody with you to hold you up whenever you're struggling or you hold them up when they're struggling, it's a lot easier on that road of life. It just is. And the only way to start to learn how to do that or when you start to do, do, to do that, you also start to learn how to travel light, to travel light. Now, this last summer, our family was able to go on sabbatical, and we're grateful for our church giving us uh, the opportunity to do that, and the staff and the team, you know, that held down the fort here at at the church, and um, we were able to kind of do the bucket list trip in Europe, which um, was awesome. It was awesome to see the things and experience all the things we got to do. It was such a blessing to do that, and uh, I remember when we were preparing for the trip, I kept preparing my family, saying, guys, we're all only going to be taking carry-on suitcase one, and that's it. We're going to be there for three weeks. One suitcase about that big. And like, I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. There's, there's somebody in our family, I won't mention names, that takes a lot more than that normally when we travel, okay? <clears throat> and so, like, when I'm like, we got to travel light, because when you're traveling in Europe, one, two things. One, if you put your luggage on a plane and have a lot of connecting flights, oh, boy, you got to pray that that luggage gets on the right plane at the right time so that when you land where you're landing, you have underwear to change into, right? Like, like I'm like, I don't want to mess with any of that. I want it with us on that airplane. I want to know right where it is because I don't want to, like, be halfway in our journey and finally we get our suitcase. So I'm like, we're traveling light. And then once we go everywhere when you're in Europe, like, we travel a lot on buses and trains and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, I'm not carrying heavy suitcases all over these places that we're going to go. We all got to take our own, carry it our own, boom, 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 and just go with it, right? So that's, we had a backpack, each of us, and we had a small suitcase. And we did it. We did it. It was interesting, though. Like, we were in these villages in Italy, or, and, like, heading to the train station. And I'm, 
<laughs> I see a couple, a young couple, and they have one suitcase. It's literally like that and like that tall, and, and they're like, and the, 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 uh, the husband's like wheeling that one, and his wife has another one, and, and it's nearly the same size, and she's like wheeling. I'm like, you guys are crazy. You have to get that thing up on the steps onto the train, and then you're going to have to like put it up in something. I don't know how you're going to do that. And so you, we would watch people struggle with these giant suitcases, and I'm like, that's the way so many people live life. We all get baggage in life, right? We all go through difficult things, whether we do them, and then we have to live into the consequences of our sin or our bad choices or just our stupid ideas, or it happens to us. People sideswipe us, people make decisions against us, and then we have to deal with it. All that stuff ends up being this baggage that we carry with us. And some of you have so much baggage that you have decided just to pile it on and stuff it down farther and, and get it in there and, and not ever deal with it. And you are carrying a heavy load of baggage. And you were never intended to carry that. Never. When you walk with Jesus, you can, you can travel light. He gives a promise. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you what? Rest for your soul. That's where we carry our baggage. It's soul baggage. It's hurts, it's pains, it's hangups, it's addictions, it's all this stuff. He's like, listen, when you travel with me, you're going to travel light. Some of you have a hard time ministering to others because you have a bag that's way too full. And so when you try to like serve, you're carrying that giant bag with you. And when somebody like says something to you and rubs you the wrong way, it pricks something in your bag. And you're like, well, pff, why did they do that? And you just get mad at them. And when they didn't intentionally try to hurt you or harm you, but it's because what's in your bag, right? And so then you blame them, and then you're like, well, forget this. I'm not going to serve anymore because that person, or I'm not going to come because they said, duh, 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 and, then, and then you just wander off from church. <clears throat> I really want to encourage you this morning. If you're traveling with a lot of baggage, it may be time for you to give it to Jesus. And sometimes I, I've seen it happen where people just like, they give it all to Jesus, and they just leave it at the feet of Jesus, and they're free. I've seen that happen. God can do that. The Holy Spirit can just free you from things like that. But for many of us in this room, that is a journey, right? We've got this thing that we call equip that helps people go through that process. We start it with a whole story of peaks and valleys of your life because we want you to look at the peaks and valleys. We want you to see what's in your backpack and actually deal with the things that you need to give to Jesus. And it may be one thing at a time. It may take a lot of time to release those things. One thing at a time. But when you walk with Jesus, when you don't walk alone, your baggage gets lighter and lighter and lighter. I'm telling you, traveling lighter is better. Can I get an amen? amen. Traveling lighter is better. And so if you haven't done that yet, if you haven't been freed from that, we have lots of things. Our mission statement here at New Hope is help those who are broken find wholeness in Christ. That is why we're here. We want to help you with your baggage, and we want you to give it to Jesus, and we, we have practical ways to help you do that. Whether it's counseling, whether it's small groups, whether it's disciple, whatever it is. If you need that help, I want you to mark your Connect card and say, I want to be free from my baggage, and we'll help you. We'll help you take the steps. Because it's hard to minister with lots of baggage.
So he is empowering them. Jesus empowered them. He said, when you travel, don't be distracted by the baggage. Don't be distracted by other people who are trying to just move you away from God's mission. Don't do that, and don't go alone. Go with those beside you. They're going to encourage you. You're going to encourage them, and you're going to do the ministry I called you to do because Jesus calls us, and he sends us, and he's still doing the same thing today. Let's learn to travel light. Let's learn, learn to travel light. All right, let's keep, keep going into it, okay? Everybody ready to keep going? All right, verse 5. And so he's giving these, them the instructions. You're, I'm sending you. You're empowered. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. This is interesting, isn't it? When we walk with Jesus, we carry peace with us. That's the, that's the lamb thing. It's like you're a peaceful creation. So when you go, you're not going in there saying, you're going to hell, Repent! peace on your house, right? And it's like, no, he said, no, find a person of peace. And when you enter their house, if they are a person of peace, your peace, the peace I give you, where it's going to rest on them and in their home. But if they reject it, it's going to come back to you when you leave. They don't get it. They miss out on the blessing, okay? But that's on them. That's not on you. You're just the carrier of the peace, right? And, okay, let's keep reading. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Now, this is interesting because he's probably got a mix of, like, Jews and Gentiles, mostly Jews, that he's, like, doing this with. And for them, they had, like, rules about what they could and could not eat, right? He's like, you can't eat this, you should eat it. And what he's telling them right now is this new covenant, this new thing I'm starting, it doesn't matter what you eat. You don't have to, like, worry about that. Eat what they set in front of you. And don't feel guilty eating what they give you. He's like, you're working for the kingdom of heaven while you're there. So don't be guilty. Enjoy what they put in front of you. Enjoy and, and, and be blessed even if they put something in front of you you don't like. Just eat it. I don't know if you've ever traveled to places where they put things in front of you that you're like, I can't eat that. That's an eyeball, right? That thing's looking at me, Right? Like, but you're going to offend them if you don't, like, just go for it. You see, you just got to push past it. He's like, listen, we're not here to be offensive. Eat whatever's put in front of you, right? And, and don't feel guilty about it. You're working for the kingdom of heaven right now. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. What a great message. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. The message is still the same. They're messengers of the kingdom of God. We came near, you all rejected it. So when we leave, it's the kingdom of God was here. But you rejected it, right? He says, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So now Jesus kind of he gets going here. All right, we'll, we'll, we're going to read the rest of that in just a minute. This is what I want you to understand with the, the instructions that Jesus has given them. He's like, when you go into that town, you're only responsible for what I tell you to say. And that's it, is what he's saying. So fill in the blank with this. He says, I am, we'll say this about ourselves, I am responsible for ministering, not how they respond. That's what he's telling them. You're going to go, you're a person of peace, and you're trying to find a person of peace already there. Where's the Holy Spirit already working in that community, in that town, in your workplace, in your school, in your own home? Where's the Holy Spirit already working that you see something happening with somebody 
that they're a little bit more receptive than anybody else around you. And you know, I'm going to spend some time with that person because I see they're a person of peace. When you go to a person of peace and you bring peace with you, God works faster in that situation. He, he works. It, 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 he wants to bring peace to everyone there. But the thing is, for us, we're not responsible for everyone there, right? We're only responsible for the word that we bring, the life that we live, coming as a lamb, bringing peace with us. That's our responsibility in saying, the kingdom of God is right here. And for us today, the kingdom of God is right here, and his name is Jesus. That's our message. But we're not responsible for how they respond. Meaning if somebody rejects the message of the gospel, that is on them, not on me, not on you, right? There are going to be some people who are just, their hearts are completely hardened, and, and you can pray for them and pray for them. You're supposed to pray for them. Even if they're your enemy, you're supposed to pray for them, right? God, would you break their hearts? Would you open their eyes? And someday it might happen. Someday it might not happen. That is their choice. That's free will. Your job isn't to force somebody to accept Jesus. That'll never be real. I've seen so many door-to-door evangelistic things happen in the history of the church that I grew up in, where it was like we were trained. You go door-to-door, you knock on the door and say, where would you go if you died today? Pressure, right? Like, 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 um, I don't know, but I'm not talking to you. You know, like, like they're, they're done, and you're trying to, like, push them to a decision, and it may not be a real decision. They just may want to get rid of you and say, fine, okay, I'll pray. And then, then the Christian will be like, notch that on my, my Bible. I brought another one to Jesus. But they never come to church. They never get discipled. They never anything else. Like, we have to come in with love and, and look for people of peace and bring peace to those people. And, and explain, this is Jesus. He is the one you're looking for. He is. The Holy Spirit's calling you to him. That's why you're experiencing So I'm only responsible for ministry. I'm not responsible for how they respond. We can shake the dust off of some relationships we have in our life, guys. And it's okay. Because they may become the distraction on the side of the road when this person over here is waiting for you to tell them about Jesus. Y'all with me? Okay. So then after this, Jesus goes on a rant. I love that Jesus goes on a rant. Sometimes I go on rants, right? Because then he's like, he's like and if, if you shake the dust off and they reject the message, don't worry. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at judgment than for you. Mm-mm-mm, right? He just goes off. Like, I came. I did the miraculous in your presence. I showed up with the kingdom of heaven and you rejected me. Ugh. He says, it's going it's to be bad for you in rejecting me. But that was your choice, Bethsaida. That was your choice, Chorazin. Okay, let's keep going. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, he says. You will go down to Hades. Whoa, now we just got real serious. Hades is another word for hell. It's eternity separated from God. It's like you're separate. Whoever listens to you and listens to me, um, whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Do you see the power of the sending that he's now telling them? You go, you do your job, you minister, you bring the kingdom of heaven, you bring peace. 
If they reject you, don't worry, it's not you they're rejecting, it's me. And they reject me just so you know they're rejecting the Heavenly Father. And that's on them, that's not on you. He says, but if they listen to you, they're listening to me. This was Jesus' hope and prayer. We see at the end, right before he was crucified, praying for the church, God, let them be one. Let them be unified. Let them be one with each other. Is there one with me that you and I, Heavenly Father, we are one. Let us be one. It's this unity thing that we're all on this mission. We all belong to the kingdom of heaven. We're all in this. So when we represent, um, not so when, the reality is we as Christians already represent heaven. How are you representing it? For what it is or for what it's not? Are you looking more like the kingdom of heaven or are you looking less like it? Are you choosing to continue to be sinful or judgmental or angry or bitter or treat, mistreat people? If you're doing that, you're not looking like heaven. You're not representing the kingdom of heaven well. You're showing something different. He says, no, represent the kingdom of heaven well because you are one with the kingdom of heaven. That's who you are. You're a citizen. You belong and you represent Where am I at? Verse 17. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. So they were sent out, and, uh, and they went and did it. They were empowered, and they returned, and they're like, Jesus, you have no idea what just happened. He's like, I think I know what just happened, right? Like, he's like, I, I know what happened. He says, even the demons submit to us when we say your name. He's like, get out of him in Jesus' name. And they healed people. And the kingdom of heaven showed up. And, and people were responding in positive ways. They found people at peace. And he said, and Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's like, you think you saw something? Like, just trying to cast out one little demon out of one little person? I saw Satan himself when he fell from heaven. Like, I know this whole spiritual warfare that's going on, is what he's trying to tell him. You got to experience a little ground war over here. I see the entire battle. I've seen it. And he says, I have given you authority. Say authority. authority. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. What? Nothing will harm you, he says. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He adjusts their priorities. Because imagine coming back and experiencing all those things. I would be like, what just happened? I was like a tent maker in my community, and then I saw Jesus, and I left making tents for the, the town I was a part of to see what this whole Jesus thing was. And now I went into this town, and I just said, demon, get out of there in the name of Jesus. And he came out, and, and he's shook, and he's healed. And he's like, oh, what is this? And this whole town started coming, like, who is this? And, and we're saying, Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's preparing the way. And they're like, who are you? I'm like, I don't know. We're just doing what he told us to do, but we've got power, and we're using it. Kingdom of heaven is here. And Jesus is like, you're pretty excited coming back from all that experience. And the reality is all of us can go through highs like that spiritually, can't we? Where all of a sudden we're like, I, you have no idea what I just experienced. I went to this conference and I was worshiping and all of a sudden I felt like something. And I was like, what is this? And I, like, I felt like God say something to me. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? We get just really jacked up, like excited, like whoa, kind of thing happened. And Jesus is like, yeah, that was awesome. But you shouldn't be as excited about that as, as this. Your name is written in the kingdom of heaven. That's worth getting excited about. He is being sure with these people that he's empowering that they don't start acting like the Pharisees that he's trying to get rid of. Because when you have spiritual authority, oftentimes pride can start entering in and say, look what I did. 
right? Or look what I experienced. There's a spiritual piety higher than you because I experienced something more powerful than you. There's whole denominations that act that way towards other denominations. Like, oh, well, we've got this, but that denomination, they don't have the Holy Spirit the way we have the Holy Spirit, right? And they look down on others. It's like, oh, that's just bullcrap. He says, you shouldn't celebrate the things that you do. You should celebrate the biggest thing in the world, which is your name is written in the book of heaven. So please do not get arrogant in your spirituality because you're going to start acting like a Pharisee because you know or have experienced more than somebody else. He wants to humble them. You read the rest of chapter 10 and into 11, you're going to see how much he attacks pride because pride is the killer of the kingdom of heaven. You can't have pride and be a part of the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't work. They're complete opposites. Jesus shows us that by the way he lived, by the way he acted, by what he did and how he showed us. He did not come with pride, did he? The the God of the universe came down and he came with humility to serve. To the point of death on a cross, he humbled himself. If that is the ultimate sign of eternity being changed and flipped over as the most humbling experience of our Savior, how much more should we be humbled? Our names are written in the book of heaven. Verse 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy, because now he's like, it's all begun. I pushed a button I shouldn't. It's all begun. He just like blurts out of him. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Why? Because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. He's like, those that thought they deserved it didn't get it. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Man, all throughout Scripture we see that whole idea. If we just had faith like a child, if we just trusted him fully like that, like when I jump, my dad's going to catch me. I just know it, right? I have that kind of faith in my father. When he tells me to go, if I go, he's with me. I know it, right? Like that's the childlike faith. And he's like, that's who, that's who he called That's what he did then, and he's still doing it today. So if in this room you did not go to seminary, you haven't studied the Bible your whole life, if you don't know how to, like, translate between Greek and Hebrew, congratulations. Because none of that gets you to heaven. Jesus is the only way you get there. The only way. And he empowered them. The gift of the Holy Spirit starting was sent by those who are young in the faith. And this is us. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit and have spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. You can say that if you're a Christ follower. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're a Christ follower. The full revealed presence of God inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the grave in you. That's what you have. We can quench that spirit. We can ignore that spirit. We can like, well, my sin, I can cover up that. Like, or you can live into it. You can listen to the Holy Spirit. You can be led by the Holy Spirit. And you have spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus taught about prayer. He says, when you pray in my name, watch out, things happen. That's what he told the disciples. I believe that's still true today. I love it in the book of Acts. I'm just going to read this real quick. I'm going longer than I should, but y'all okay? 
Okay, the timer ended a long time ago. So, um, in Acts chapter four, we see then then the Holy, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost. Boom! They're all empowered. Peter. Peter, the, the rock that this church was built upon, the first message that was preached, boom, goes out. Thousands accept the message of Jesus. They repent. They turn to him. And, and the church just starts. And they start ministering just like this in the power of the Holy Spirit. They start healing people and all sorts of stuff. They healed people and the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers were ticked off. They murdered Jesus because he was doing this stuff. And that his, his apostles are still doing it. You gotta be kidding me. So they're thinking how we get rid of them and murder them. And, and so uh, Peter um, heals somebody, and they bring him before the Sanhedrin, this guy that got healed before the Sanhedrin, and they're like trying to get him to stop, stop te- teaching in the name of Jesus and stop doing all this stuff. But there's a phrase in chapter 4, verse 13, that I absolutely love. When they saw the courage that Peter and John had and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Say those words with me. They were what? Unschooled, ordinary men. They didn't fit the norms of religious culture. Jesus said, that's over with. New covenant, new relationship, it's all different now. But notice what they noticed about them. That they were astonished, and they took note of these men, that they had been with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, you look different. The only qualification they had was they were walking with Jesus and now they had the Holy Spirit. And today we have the exact same things. We get to walk with Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. So today, my challenge first to the Christians, real quick. If you're a Christ follower, number one, if you're carrying a lot of baggage and it's weighing you down, put it at the feet of Jesus today. Stop carrying it. Start the process and journey of unpacking the baggage and piece by piece put it at the feet of Jesus and watch him heal you as you do that. If you need counseling, we've got counseling. If you need a mentor, we've got mentors. If you need a small group, we've got small groups. If you want to go through Equip, it already launched, but we'll squeeze you in, okay? Because it's a year-long process to go through that um, and find freedom and empowerment in the Holy Spirit and in your giftedness and your calling, Okay? So take a step if that's you. Number two, if you're a Christian and you don't look a lot like heaven, it might be that you've been trying to do it on your own. So I'm going to tell you, get some BGPs, we call them here, big godly people in your life who you can walk next to and watch what they do and let them shepherd you and and start to learn so you you can grow to put off that stuff that doesn't look like Jesus in the kingdom of heaven and start putting on the things that, that do. That's the Christian life. That's how you grow, right? And you need to do it with other people. So I would say either find some people or let us know that you need some people and we'll get some people <laughs> so that you can belong and be a part of that. But here's my biggest question for every single one of us in this room that we need to wrestle with. Is your name written in heaven? Is it? Some of you, like, I know this morning, you're like, yes, it is, and you have no idea how humbled I am right now. And that's awesome. You can celebrate it. Some of you, you wonder, like, I think, I, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Well, today, you can know for sure. You don't have to leave here without wondering. And some of you in this room, you've never 
made any decision about this in your life. But I'm telling you, this is the gospel message. This is what Jesus did. He lived. He showed us how to live in the Holy Spirit. Then he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid for our sin, meaning sin equals death. It does. When we sin, we kill something. We kill relationship with other people when we sin against them, and we break the relationship with God when we sin against him. That's what sin does. It kills things. And the consequence of sin is death. And God sent his son Jesus to take that penalty for us. He died on the cross for our sins so that we can then get deposited what he had in his account, which is righteousness, to make us right before God. That's called forgiveness. He forgiveness, he forgives us and covers our sin as if it wasn't there. And then we have a real relationship with God. We've opened up and our name gets written in the book of heaven. We get eternity with him and we start to experience parts of heaven here in this broken world. And if you want that gift today, you just need to ask God for it. I know I, we do this every, every Sunday because I don't want anybody to leave out this door. Oh, man. Okay. Yesterday, just yesterday, our pastoral staff attended the funeral of a young man, 32 years old, died like that this last week. 32 we don't know when we're going to die. You don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, for some of you, you're like 20-something, and you think, I got a long life ahead of me. I can think about this some more. And the reality is, if, if you're 26, but you're going to die at 36, you're, you're, you're old. Some of you are 50, but you're going to live to like 95, and so really, you're young. But the reality is, none of us know the day, the hour, the time of when we're going to be done here. And so I had this urgency in my heart to say, you need Jesus today, not tomorrow. And if you need him today, I'm going to say, accept him today, pray today, your own words, your own confession, that you need him. You can't get to heaven on your own. There's no good enough to get there. Jesus is the perfecter, the one who was perfect on the cross to make the way for us. And if that's you, I'm going to say right now, let's just all bow our heads and you can pray right now, today. You can make a decision to say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I don't know everything. I don't need to know everything. All I know is that if that's what Jesus did for me, I want him. I want to be forgiven. I want to have my name written in the book of heaven. If that's you, right now, wherever you are, here, online, wherever, just say this. Say, God, I believe you sent your son Jesus and that he was real, that he walked the earth, and that he died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that he rose again three days later and he is alive today and he conquered death itself so that I could have life now and forever. Please forgive me of my sins. Enter into my life. Give me your Holy Spirit. I want to be yours now and forever. I want my name written in the book of heaven. Forgive me, free me, and let me be yours. And I just ask this in Christ's name alone that I pray. Amen. Let's just stay in this attitude right now. If you accepted Christ, I need to know about it. So I need you to write on that Connect card or mark a Connect card or come right after and find me. Because something happens the moment you take that step of faith, I need you to know the enemy comes right behind and makes you doubt it. And so you need to say, no, I know what I said and I know what I believe. And start walking in it. And we want to help you do that here at New Hope. Okay, so let us know whether it's marking your Connect card. Today I made a decision. 
whatever it might be, let us know that you made that decision. And let me pray for all of us this morning. I'm going to wrap up a little bit differently. Let's do this. Let's stand together, church. Nikki was going to come up and close us out. I'm going to go ahead and just close us out. Okay, Nikki. Um,